Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We spoke earlier today to Kevin Bullock, who is the CEO of Anaconda Mining, TSXV listed producer and explorer of gold in Newfoundland. And if you want our thoughts and opinions on that conversation and indeed the company itself, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club, where you can also find detailed company reports, market commentary from experts from all around the world on a variety of commodities and companies. We've also got training videos on there, summaries of all the interviews that we've done and there's a thriving community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other. And if you go now and sign up for the waitlist, you're eligible for a seven-day free trial. Kevin, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing very well. Nice to be here. Yeah. Thanks for coming on the show, telling us uh, your story. Looking forward to it, actually. But where in the world are you? Let's start with that. I'm actually in Toronto right now at head office. It's uh, obviously hard to get out into the field with the, uh, with the pandemic that's going on now. So is Toronto keeping you there or is, or is uh, you're not allowed to site because they don't want anyone from it's, Toronto it's, there? It's a little bit of both. It's yeah. a little bit of both. I mean, to go anywhere uh, right now, it's, it's uh, you know, the social aspects of it aren't good. Uh, if you're coming from a, from a center where there's a lot of uh, cases and the East Coast of Canada where we operate, uh, where our production is and our development, it's its own bubble. And uh, they can fly between provinces in Eastern Canada, but... Uh, from the rest of Canada, it's a quarantine period if you do fly there. And it's uh, it's not worth going. Um, we can do what we do from here. We have a great operating team on the ground. Fantastic. And how, how's things in Toronto? I heard it was like uh, no man's land in the center well, of town. Well, there's not many people. I'm in the office now and there's nobody here. Um, streets are pretty well empty. Uh, people are working from home. And I think it's going to be a new world after uh, after this is all over. There will be people that say, oh, what? why do I need an office? So. Yeah. Um, you know, it, uh, it will get busier downtown, but not like it used to be, I don't think. You get rid of that office. Yeah. Just a cost-saving awesome. idea. You can have that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's what we find here, cost savings. <laughs> well, like, why don't we kick off? Give us that one minute overview of the company and then we'll pick it up from there. Yeah. So we are a gold producer, not very well known because uh, we have small production. So it's about 18 to 20,000 ounces a year production, but that does provide the backbone for what we want to do, which is an aggressive growth plan to grow from our current production of 18 to 20,000 ounces a year to 150,000 ounces a year in three to five years. And uh, that's going to be a three-pronged approach. It's going to be exploration, development, and uh, M&A targets. So we have a very focused approach to get there. And uh, um, you know, we don't want to be just happy with being an 18 to 20,000 ounce a year producer, but it certainly is nice to have that cash flow to do what we want to do. Okay, well, I want to, I want to talk about that because you're slightly unusual. You're, you're a small explorer with some production. It's, it's kind of it's a funny situation, right? And that, I know there's a bit of a history to the company. You've only been there a couple of years. So I, I'm interested in understanding what you saw when you came in and what you felt you had to do uh, to kind of get things motoring again. So why don't you kind of um, kick off with what you saw when you arrived? So the company, it seemed that the company was satisfied with uh, being a producer and, and, and actually making positive cash flow, which is a great thing. But without a growth story there, that's not really something people would want to invest in. It would be more for a private company or, or you know, something else. But I saw the assets that they had and I thought with a few changes here, we can build something very, very special. We can have an aggressive growth plan because the assets are, are right. The operating team is fantastic to be making money at sub two gram per ton in, in Northern Canada. 
uh, making a lot of cash flow. And we're able to use that cash flow to carry out our plan without diluting the company with, with uh, you know, two or three financings every year and, and hitting the existing shareholders. So the cash flow um, really helps us to achieve our growth strategy, which is very focused and very aggressive. Uh, and the, the assets, I, I've done a lot of things around the world and the assets that I see here, um, you know, match the successes I've been able to achieve in the past. So uh, I just want to do the same with this company. I think it has a lot of potential. Yeah, I, th- I think that's I think that's right. Because so, I like the comment about it. Maybe it should have been a private uh, company if it was just focused on the producing asset. So you've got three assets, though. So let's talk about the producing asset and what what you've got there today and what the possibilities are with that in terms of being able to expand that either life of mine or production. Yeah, so the production that we have, we've been producing for over 10 years and we've been cash flow positive for those 10 years. So it's not just because the gold price is up presently. We have a great operating team that can adjust in, in, any, in any gold price environment. So we've been very, very fortunate to have that cash flow. Uh, but it's never been significant enough to create growth or an investment uh, excitement. So what we need is to uh, increase the production. So in and around Point Bruce, right now we're doing 18 to 20,000 ounces a year. Uh, the first half of this year, we made uh, 7.8 million EBITDA project level. Uh, very good cash flow. We're doing better in the second half of this year. Uh, our guidance for next year is another 18,000 ounces. So it's, it, that, that is what we've been doing for 10 years, and that will continue. The, the excitement, though, is the, the exploration opportunities in and around the mine for the near term to increase the mine life, which is currently two and a half years. Um, it's been two to four years for the last 10 years. Keeps going. We keep finding more, but it gets more and more difficult. Um, as you find the easier ones. So our exploration strategy in and around the mine has come up with, um, we've tested a low uh, low order anomaly that we normally wouldn't go after. It was on the bottom of a list of things to look at, but it was the extension of another uh, mineralized area that we mined in the past called Stogger Tight. And we've discovered this zone 278, which is a new discovery with much wider and much higher grade intersections than we've seen in the last 10 years. And that bodes well for the immediate future of Point Roos to keep going. We've shown that we can actually permit mines quite quickly and quite easily because we leverage our facilities and we don't have to build new tailings. One of the most important aspects that we have at Point Roos is a long-term tailings storage facility, which is the original pit. So it's the most environmentally sound tailings pond, no dams. It's got 15 years capacity at full throughput rate. So anything we find, we can put through an existing plant that's already permitted. So the permitting process is quite quick. And we've proven that by just, we've just started mining at a new mine called Argyle, which is our next two and a half years of production. But zone 278, the, the, the exploration part of that, um, of the story along the same trend, um, it is looking like it's going to be our next mine and at a better grade and some wider widths near surface. So the near term looks good. So that's our, that's our Point Roos project. We have the 1,300 ton a day mill and the long-term tailings facility that we leverage and look at our exploration properties around it. Right. But, but with your idea, you, you came and said, hey, we, we need to do more. We want to be at, what, 150,000 ounce a year producer. That, that's, that's tough to do, right? You're, so you're, that's not easy. And pre- even with the cash you're producing, 
um, at Point Roos, you're free cash flowing. But if you want to grow to that scale of company, you're going to need to spend a lot of money and plow that back into the ground. So you're, you're not making money in that sense if, you got, if you've got plans like that. So how do you go about it? Yeah, so correct. So we're, we're actually spending the money that we make for growing. And so the key is to keep this Point Roos going, to, to keep that money going. So that's what I just went through, Argyle and then Stugger tight. So we're good for several years. What we've done over the last two years is we've put a package of uh, properties together that have never been assembled as one big unit. And it's called the Tilt Cove Gold Project, which is Mm -hmm. our exploration property. It's 40 kilometers by road east of our mill. In other words, the cost to truck ore from it to the mill would would cost less than half a gram per ton. So anything we find at Tilt Cove that's above our current grade at at, uh, Point Roos if it's large enough, and it doesn't have to be a standalone size because the mill is already built and permitted, will be trucked back. So we're leveraging our facility to look at Tilt Cove, and it's a 20 kilometer long belt. We've picked up the entire Greenstone belt, and it straddles a past producing gold mine that produced at 9.8 grams per ton. The difference between what we're mining now, which is about 1.6 grams per ton, and finding something between five and 10 grams per ton east of us would change that production profile from 18 to 20,000 ounces a year to almost 80. Uh, just with, and that could start with one single intersection uh, hitting, hitting some more and then following up. So we've got an aggressive plan. It took us two years to put these properties together, seven deals with prospectors, some of our own staking. And I was surprised to be able to pick up an entire Greenstone belt uh, 40 kilometers away from the only gold mill on the island that we happen to own. Uh, next to a past producer that was high grade in the first world. I mean, it's a fantastic exploration property. So that's one of the prongs of our approach to growth. There's there's three prongs. It's exploration, development, and M&A. So for, for keeping the mine going, we have Argyle and uh, Zone 278. For the future of Point Roos and an increase in our own uh, uh, generic um, throughput, we have Tilt Cove, where we're, we just announced uh, – uh, that we're starting programs there, and uh, the drill is arriving at site. And then we've got the development story, which is in Nova Scotia, that we can get to later. Um, so you've got future higher grade, which will increase production. Um, you've got the development project, which uh, we're in a, we're we're in a definitive feasibility study mode now in Nova Scotia. That's going to add to the production over time. Um, and then uh, an M&A to tack on if we're not quite there at 150,000 ounces a year, we'll be able to use our, our better valued uh, company to leverage off to do a, to do a transaction of something bite-sized for us. So that's the plan going forward is, is to explore for higher grade near the mill where, where we don't have to build large infrastructure. We can leverage off what we have and we can't underestimate the value of the long-term tailings facility for that. Um, Tilt Cove for the future. Uh, and then Goldboro, uh, which we'll get to, which is uh, which is well along the way. It's the largest gold deposit in Nova Scotia that we're doing feasibility on. Okay, so before we get on to gold, because I do want to get on to that, because I think that you know potentially has potential. Um, but if I look at your money today, so you're producing a, a, a point produce, um enough money to develop the land around. Uh, the, the current mine, right? And you're talking about um, Zone 278 and, and Argyle extending the life of mine. And therefore, you will be producing cash. Will you be producing cash at the current rates? That's what you, you said in terms of guidance? 
Correct. Absolutely. Okay, fine. Is that enough? Have you got enough money from that to do that development there? And does that pay for the exploration at Tilt Cove? So we're fully funded for all our programs, aggressive exploration, but that comes from uh, development of Point Roos funds Argyle and Zone 278 and all of our overhead. For Tilt Cove, we're fortunate enough to have a few um, very long-term holding uh, funds, mainly a Swiss fund that wanted to put money in the company and own 5% of the company because of Tilt Cove alone. And we have something in Canada uh, called Flow Through, which is a, a tax incentive to, to raise money. And they uh, did a charity flow through deal where they were the back end buyer. And that's very important. We know who ended up with the stock. It's all SSI management out of, uh, out of Luxembourg, uh, based in Switzerland. And uh, they put $5.5 million into the company at a 58% premium to our share price um, to be drilled, uh, to be used on drilling at Tilt Cove. So that's fully funded for its program, aggressive program, through the flow through. Did you need that money or did you need SSI? Both. Both. We wanted to be aggressive at Tilt Cove, but we also wanted to get a larger institutional holding in our company because it's been a retail story, as you can expect, being an 18 to 20,000 ounce a year producer. So, you know, we want more retail. I mean, we want more institutions in, but we love that. We love our retail holding as well. So it's it's set up in a way that that's all working. It's coming to fruition now in, in getting a bigger story, a, a focused story for growth and aggressive growth that's bringing in some other people that want to want to invest. And, uh, and SSI was the one that wanted to uh, wanted to do this $5 million investment for Tilt Cove. Okay, do you, do you think that juniors get a little bit excited in times like these? When gold price is up, the market's good, money's easy to raise, and you kind of get ideas above your station. Do you worry about that? Well, I think, I mean, the key is money's easier to raise, um, but I think money's more um, picky after several of the last, uh, you know, a couple of the last um, um, stages we've been through in the gold being up and down. I mean, I'm, I'm getting on and I've been through a couple of rounds of this and uh, the last eight years, uh, about from a year ago and eight years before that's been hell, uh, trying to raise money for juniors, etc. Uh, but I remember back in, in the late, you know, in 2010, 11, uh, it was easy then too, to raise money. And, uh, you know, that's, you know, in my pre- previous life, we ended up drilling off the largest deposit in West Africa that was sold off to B2 Gold. Um, so if you have the right projects um, and you use the money wisely, you don't, I mean, you should be raising the money you need and to, and to, be, and to be safe, but you shouldn't be raising money just to raise money if you produce your own. So we keep the share uh, registry as tight as we can. Uh, and the reason is um, we want we want to create value for our shareholders, which include us. We didn't found this company. We buy on the market like everybody else. Um, you can check the public records. I've put more than my own, my own, uh, my own salary back into the company uh, on the market, and I'll continue to buy it when I'm not blacked out uh, because I believe in it. And, and and Tilt Cove, there's another discovery to be had there. I just hope it's us that finds it. So we're going to go aggressive on it, and uh, and it'll provide life for the future in Newfoundland and a much larger throughput. I mean, not throughput, but gold production because the grade will be higher. Okay, so you wanna hit 150,000 a year. Those, those are lofty ambitions from where, from where you were at at the moment, okay? So why didn't you raise more money now to really go at it? Because you've got a window now. You said you've been through a few cycles, unfortunately, so have I. And you, these are the moments we all live for, right? These moments. So 
it doesn't seem like a lot of cash. What was it? Just under five million bucks, wasn't it? That we raised. Yeah. But we also generate a lot of cash flow. Yeah. So how much are you going to so, apply? How much? How much is is available to spend drilling holes? Yeah, we're we've got five drills company wide drilling over twenty thousand meters over the next next three months. That's as much as we can handle. Um, so you don't want to go spending the money and generating core and having it end up in a core shed where it isn't looked at very carefully and understood is not a way to go forward. We really want to understand what we're doing. We want to be, we want to spend the time, you know, just because a drill hole uh, doesn't hit mineralization doesn't mean it, it, it has no information. We want to look at everything, understand everything and have result dependent drilling. And, um, you know, that is something that we take pride in. We have an exploration team that has had several discoveries in Eastern Canada, and they're the ones running the show. And, and, and we're basically going as fast as we, as we can with those. So um, also, as you can imagine, with all the interest in Eastern Canada at the moment, there aren't any drills or drillers available. Uh, it's very difficult to get them. So you're in this, uh, you know, people were almost willing to drill free for you five years ago that aren't available at the moment. So it's it's just that that supply and demand thing that happens. Okay, and you also had, I made a sale to Magna Terra? Yeah, so we when we decided to focus specifically on this goal of production, it's very focused, is we didn't have time to do grassroots exploration because we're looking for things that are coming, gonna come into play within three to five years. Uh, we needed to do something around past producers, we needed to do something around our own production. Um, so, and we needed to, acquire something that uh, that looked like it was moving forward towards development, which is Goldgore, which we'll get to. So we had these other properties that were good properties, and we're excited about the potential of them as, as grassroots exploration. And we're still in as a 30% holder of Magnaterra. So we spun them out into a new public vehicle called Magnaterra, trades on the uh, Vancouver Stock Exchange, or the TSXD. And um, it, it's going to raise its own money to explore something that we'll have a 30% interest in. So it benefits us in not spending on that, but we still uh, will gain from any successes, which, which we think there will be. We also spun off a technology company. We were uh, working on uh, uh, and won a few awards on our technology of narrow vein mining. And um, we spun that off and got uh, new money in, a couple of million dollars. Uh, so we're not spending on that anymore, but we own 30% of that as well. So we spun these things off into where they should be focusing on their, their items. And we're focused on getting our production from 15 to 20,000 ounces a year up to 150,000. Love it. And we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna keep digging about how you're going to actually deliver that. So you've put out some nice draw results, very high grade compared to what you're mining at the moment, obviously. And that gets the market excited. Brilliant. But grade isn't king always, is it? It is not. Um, grade is one of the many hundred things that, that go into a, into a mine plan. And, you know, I've told people in the past, uh, I'd rather have a hundred meters of one gram per ton at surface than one meter at a hundred grams at depth because it can't be mined. So, you know, the, 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 it, it's all about the bottom line for us. We're not here to find the highest grade or be the biggest producer. We're here to be a size that people will look at that can gain more investor attention, which is accretive for all shareholders. We're here to, to look at things properly, take the time to understand them and find deposits. And we're here to pick up things that we think are lagging for one reason or another where we think we can help with an anemone strategy. So the plan is exploration and development while we produce an anemone transaction tacked on 
somewhere in there at the right time and when the right project is found. And those right projects for a company our side are very small and uh, you know hard to find. And, and we keep looking. We have an active M&A campaign, 60 projects around the world that we're looking at. Um, it's slowed down because we can't do site visits, but it is part of our strategy. So it's internal discovery, internal development, M&A transaction, 150. Okay, well, let, let's finish off the in, internal development bit, which is, okay, Goldborough, uh, again, some nice, like I said, some nice grades coming out of that, but you're going to be throwing how many drills at it? What do, you, what do you feel you're looking for? What would define success at Goldborough for you? Uh, in Nova Scotia, uh, for us, it's finalizing a feasibility study. So we, when I came on board, we were in the middle of a feasibility study uh, based on doing a small open pit with an underground mine, which would be relatively high grade. Right. And, and I just started seeing holes in, in that strategy in that there's a lot of lower grade mineralization between these, they're anticlinal veins. And we have 57 of this, these stacked veins that we're going to be, that added up to 1.4 million ounces so far. We'll be putting out a new resource at the end of the year that will be much higher than that because we've been doing more, a lot of drilling, 15,000 meters of drilling with three drills is what we're doing right now. Um, and so end, end of 21 or? Any? End of this year, we should be getting 20, a new resource right. calculation. Okay. Um, the feasibility itself, what we did is, is we backed off and what we're seeing between these veins is low grade mineralization that was missed when you look at an underground because the cutoff for underground is around two grams or higher. Uh, and the cutoff for an open pit scenario is half a gram. What happens to the mineralization between half a gram and two grams? It gets missed if you go underground too soon. Um, so when you relook at the model and you incorporate the lower grade, what we call the lower grade halo of mineralization around these veins, you get more of an open pit scenario than you do of an underground. So now we're looking at it as more of a larger open pit followed by a tail of underground as opposed to the other way around. And that changes everything. There's a lot more ounces, going to be a lot more ounces because we're going after the stuff between 0.5 and 1.5. So again, grade isn't king. These low grade ounces are going to make this work and make it very robust. So we've changed focus because uh, our permitting timeline is such that, uh, that it is not that, that the permitting is not the bottleneck. So we changed consultants, we changed all the people internally that were working on the project and started looking at this in what the deposit really is looking like to be, which is a larger scale open pit than a, than a high grade underground. Is that harder to get permits for? No, no, it's, it's the same process you go through um, because, you, I mean, it's gonna be larger. You're gonna have larger, you're gonna have larger you know, uh, capacity, but it's going to be a much larger mine with, with high throughput. Okay, great. Okay. And, and so your view on timing is feasibility by end of next year? Yeah. So we have in our, we have an announcement so far that the feasibility would be done by the end of this year, but with this step material change, it's going to take a lot longer. So we will be announcing the timeline and the budget to get there. Um, we, we, we know that we, um, we are actually funded to do it uh, clearly. And, um, but we don't know the timeline yet. It's probably going to be another six or nine months beyond the end of this year um, because of the size of it and the scale. Of it. Okay. So obviously priority is, is clearly at point push, uh because that's throwing off cash. Number right. two is, is um, uh, Goldboro in terms of importance yeah. for you and then until Cove. So how do you portion your time, money and effort then? 
Yeah, so so the Gobro Gold project uh, can only go as fast as the, basically the schedule goes of, of doing the appropriate works of the metallurgical design and all that before you design the mill. That's a process that takes time and takes a certain amount of money, and you can't go any faster. So that that's already funded uh, in our in our next year's budget. Um, the actual exploration at Tilcove is funded from the SSI investment and the flow through money, and then the cash flow that we make covers our overhead, uh, our exploration in and around Point Bruce. Uh, are looking for other opportunities in M&A, plus generates, I think in the first half of this year, it generated another 2.7 million of profit on top of all that. That's after taxes, after covering head office expenses, all drilling. So just just help me on this, because a lot of small companies talk a big game, right? So I want to see the reality of it. Your producer, fantastic. You know what guidance is? Let's say it's 20,000 ounces a year. Hopefully no more, or hopefully no more, um, impingement from uh, COVID, et cetera. But where do those numbers come from? I can see Goldberg, you're suggesting because the way, the new way that you're looking at it, it's potentially a much bigger resource than you had previously imagined. So that's fantastic. But you won't have a sense of what that scale is yet. Um, Tilt Cove, you're still drilling, it's early days. You, you don't have a sense of what that is yet. So at what point does M&A become really important to you? Because Everyone's chasing the good stuff. They it costs a lot of money. You pay a premium for it, and you don't want to be buying stuff just for the sake of buying stuff. So, I, I'm sort of intrigued in how you work because you're, you're producers, you're explorers, and you're also going to be M and A guys. So there's a lot of skill sets on, in one, under one roof required there. So again, how, how do you approach all of this, trying to hit that one fifty thousand ounce a year mark? Yeah, so it's, it's again, it's a three-pronged approach with the backbone of, of the money being generated from point roots. But when we, when we talk M&A, that is a natural progression for us of looking at opportunities around the world. And it doesn't mean we're looking for another exploration project or a good area. It's, it's looking for something that can't move forward for one reason or another. It could be, it could be management. It could be a mine that got built and isn't running right because it's, it, it's just using the wrong you know, strategy or, or engineering, you know, things around the world that can, that can add to our, you know, add to our value where one plus one equals much more than two. And those, you know, we have, uh, we've, we've done it in the past, the team that we have, the management team, uh, we've had lots of successes in the past. Um, you know, we took, I was involved in taking I am gold public. It's now a multi-billion dollar company. I was the one that negotiated the Macassa mine purchase for a, for a shell called Fox Point. We changed the name to Kirkland Lake Gold. That's doing extremely well. Uh, Volta, I started my own company. We were taken over by B2 Gold. I'm still on the board of that. So we've, we've actually done these things before. And, and, and Rob, our CFO, has done them in Australia and, and elsewhere, um, you know, with, with, with New Market Gold and other things where we've done these M&A transactions. So we know what to look for. We know to, we know what things may be in trouble and, and possibly how to fix them. And with the operating team that we have, um, we know we can do that because it's doing so well with a low rate deposit. We, we just know how to operate efficiently. So the M&A transaction, we'd love to do a deal closer to home than further away, but we know that mineralization doesn't respect political boundaries, but we do. We won't go anywhere unsafe. But we may need to go further than Atlantic Canada to find what we need to fit our M&A transaction. And again, you're going to have to find the project. We're going to have to find the project that works for us to acquire. And that may be soon and it may be at the end of this whole thing. But it's going to have to work at the right time when our, when our value is there in our stock. 
and uh, and we have the right project available to us. Okay, um, question sent in. Um, what about the arsenic levels at Goldbro? Uh, we have we have arsenic at Goldbro. Um, it's uh, not very high. It's a good indicator of the gold. Um, but we have a process which is a standard, uh, well, it's not a standard, it's actually a CIL-CIB hybrid. And the mill is being designed by Osenko. Uh, it's going to be exactly the same mill as, as that's at uh, Atlantic Gold's project, Tukoy, uh, except a little smaller. So the arsenic is taken care of through the process. It is, uh, it is not... It is not preg robbing. It causes no issues in recovery. We have feasibility level metallurgical testing that shows mid ninety, mid nineties recovery. Um, so it, it doesn't affect us. Okay. Um, another one sent in. How are the locals feeling about mining at the moment? Because uh, there's sort of talk about you know complaints in uh, news, newspapers in Halifax because Saint Saint, Bar- yeah. Saint Barbara has, has you know. Maybe, maybe not going to smooth well, what they would have hoped. Is that going to affect you? Yeah. So one of the issues is the eastern, uh, the eastern um, mineralization that Atlantic Gold has is in an area where there is a uh, St. Mary's River, uh, which has a lot of trout fishing and a trout fishing association. It's a park-like setting. And that's going to be difficult. And that gets in the news all the time because of the negative publicity of people don't want to mine in that area. We're in Goldboro. It's called Goldboro for a reason. A uh, hundred years ago, it was an old mine. There's a LNG plant going in. It's a very, very industrial area. We've had three open houses that are specifically designed to have people come in and comment on why they don't want to have a mine. We have had no comments in all three. We've only had resumes. Uh, people want this to happen there. The community's on side. We already have a, uh, a, a, a draft joint benefits um, agreement with the MIGMA, which is the local native group. Um, get on very well with them. They're going to benefit from this. The local uh, local area is going to benefit, and they all want jobs and they want this to happen. Uh, as a matter of fact, a mine at Goldboro would probably clean up the old tailings more than it will create any issues environmentally. Okay, um, and just, just one last one. It's about. Uh, I know you're cash flowing. I know you've had some money in, and you've got some options on on some you know sales. Uh, at some point, they may, may have a monetary value for you in the future. But to get your, your fully financed to get the feasibility done, and, and then what? What does the company then look like? Because you're not going to be producing any more ounces at that point. There's no additional cash flows. So you're probably going to have to think about bringing some money in at that point. Clearly, you're hoping at higher valuations. But what's the timing on that? Yeah, so, so what I see is the um, all the drilling that we're doing, which is going to be a lot of information coming out on a regular basis from now forward, uh, company-wide on exploration, is going to create excitement from the exploration side of it. We're still going to be generating the cash at point roots. Um, so what I see when we finish the feasibility, um, you know, let's say the second half of next year, uh, then we take that, which will have a value, for sure, uh, an NPV at 5% discount at a certain price of gold and all that kind of thing, which, which will actually create more excitement about the company. We then take all that and we go out and we raise project financing to build gold. Obviously, we won't have the money to build a large mine. So that'll be project finance. And I can tell you that uh, we've had an extremely large amount of meetings uh, of potential investors in that because A, it's, a, it's, a, it's actually going to be quite a light 
uh, capex compared to bigger projects. And the you know the the people that write the twenty to thirty million dollar checks to be involved in projects usually are at the very bottom end of a financing syndicate in a place that's difficult to work in in a scary area and they have no say and and they're really out there. If they could have a thirty million dollar ticket, which is a major you know a, a much larger portion of something in a first world, boy, they want that to diversify. Um, so there's a lot of companies that uh, that want to be involved in the financing of Goldboro. So I think we'll do quite well on, on the debt side of our debt equity financing that we plan to do. Um, I would like to do it all equity if, I, if the price is right in our stock. Uh, but there will be, I'm, I'm sure there'll be a debt component. Uh, and I know that it can handle up to even 60 or 70% debt, but we don't want to go that high uh, unless our stock price is, is, is lagging for other reasons. The market has disappeared again. That kind of thing, but this mine will be will be relatively easy to finance, uh, just because of its location, and it's it's the successes in Atlantic Canada of, of Tukoy that was built. We're building the same mill. Uh, you know the feasibility level work that's been done is showing you know good recoveries, very good recoveries. There's no deleterious elements. There's no opposition to the project. So a lot of financiers want to be involved in that on the project financing side. And so how do they quantify the economics there? What, what, what are you able to give them? Because you're talking about low grade at the moment, you're searching for high grade with some lower grade component uh, between half a gram and two grams. I mean, how, how do they get a sense of the economics to be able to say, hey, we'll definitely love to give you some money? Uh, well, when you, when, you, when you take these people through the story of what it's going to look like, um, that's that's where they get it. But eventually, to write term sheets and to get the money, they'll have the feasibility, which shows the actual cash flow. Well, that's so what I mean. But that, that that's some way some ways down the, the line. I'm, I'm saying now that they're saying generally we like the thought of what you're trying to build here. We'd love to have a conversation with you at some point down the line. Exactly. Got it. Got it. Okay. Understood. Because I think. That'll be really interesting so to understand where your ASIC ends up. You kind of know what you're doing now, but it's it's a slightly slightly different type of uh, development program that you're talking about in the future. Hopefully, if Goldbra delivers a scale that you think it could deliver, that'll be really really exciting. But the economics will be different. Yeah, we're yeah we're extremely excited about it, and we can't wait to to issue the new resource at the end of the year. Uh, it's it's already the largest gold deposit in the province. Um, you know, Atlantic Gold has more gold in all their projects, but in our single deposit, it's uh, it's it's 1.4 and it's growing rapidly, 1.4 million ounces, and and uh, by the end of the year, it'll be much higher than that. Fantastic, fantastic. The drill bit drill bit will talk. Um, I just want to say uh, thank you very much for coming on the show and uh, telling us all about it. Quite exciting, I think, Kevin. You put I I like you've. You've helped me understand how you've pieced that together and you know where the bits fit and hopefully as I say the the drill bit does discover more and gives you that scale that you're looking for. Because I think that's the thing that people will be looking at this to see if you can actually deliver the scale. That's the important uh, ingredient here. Brilliant. Yeah, Thanks absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, well, we will have a lot of press releases coming out with, with that kind of information. So stay tuned. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast? or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.